You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to the 22 NFL Draft. After a brief hiatus, draft season is back. Guys, we made it. The summer's deeply approaching. I know a couple of our co-hosts were knocking out finals and can really start, you know, enjoying the nice weather. The Jets had a great draft. The vibes are high. People are talking about winning division games. Can Zach Wilson take the leap? You know, like, honestly, like the Jets schedule at least tomorrow. Joe, I'm thinking like at least 16-1 and one at the way we're going at the moment. So how are you feeling? 16 and one meegs. That's it, dude. 17 and no brother. Now nah, listen, if they, if they get seven, eight wins next year oh. and Zach took a nice leap forward, um, I think I could be Zach happy Joe, with that. Come on, it's May, May. All right, fine. You know, meegs, 10 wins, brother. We're making the, we're taking that wild card spot. It's good. We're going to get crazy next year. Exactly. Everything's exactly. Zach's going to hit his stride. To win the AFC East. Slam it. Reece, yeah, Reese Hall is going to be offensive rookie of the year. The defense is going to be top 10. It's going to get, it's going to be nuts. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah. The vi- it's all about the that, vibes. Dylan. Is that better? Is that better? That's much better. That's much better. Dylan. Dylan, the vibes are high. How are you feeling? Vibes are high. I'm back up in New York after a first year wrapped up at Penn State, getting ready to be the Penn State insider yet again for you guys for draft season next year and break down all the off the field and on the field antics of some of Penn State's brightest. But for now, I'm really just pumped up for the summer and to think about that optimism and think about the fact that why not us? Why aren't we going to be the Bengals next year? Why not an AFC championship? Hell, why not a damn Super Bowl next year? I'm hyped up. Uh, Dylan, I have a question for you in regards to the 2023 draft. If Will Levis is a top 10 pick, um, how do you feel about giving $85 million to the guy who picked Sean Clifford over him? You know, I'm going to be very excited for what Sean Clifford has in store for next year. I think he's going to surprise some people. Bold prediction. Bold prediction. Uh, well, year six, that's the year all college quarterbacks start to put it together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I bold prediction, he has a better year next year than Will Levis. And I'll talk about Levis next fall, but uh, I, I'm not on the Will Levis train. I think Liam Cohen's just a magic worker. Okay, well, we'll see if he can do it with Rick Scangarello as his offensive coordinator. James, I, I expect that you are here to tell us why the 2023 draft is much better than the 2022 draft, because as we all know, when it gets to be draft day, the draft actually sucks. And the one next year is always better. So, uh, you know, is that basically what you're going to tell me? 
Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, honestly, a little bittersweet vibes for the last episode, but I'm excited to chop it up one last time until the fall with you guys. Exactly. I know. I feel like we've come such a long way. There was a lot of division on some players. There was a lot of unanimous praise for some players. One could say the Jets took a couple of those players. And now we're going to get into, you know, our favorite picks. You know, really talk about what Joe Douglas is doing with this roster because, I mean, this is Joe Douglas's team now. There's no Mike McCagden holdovers. You know, the Jets, I think, are like 30th or 31st in dead cap. There's no, like, this is the roster Joe Douglas wants to build. And, you know, they got to start winning some games. So, uh, Joe, I know I know you've been wanting to talk about Brees Hall and why he is the greatest running back in the history of the New York Jets before he put, puts a snap on. But my first question to you is, <laughs> what number do you want Brees Hall to wear? You know, Meeks, people might not, you know, appreciate this, but I really don't care what number the guys wear. I just got to be honest. You know, as long as they're out there crushing it and playing ball, that would be awesome. Like, obviously, he's not going to wear number 28 like he did in college. That belongs to my guy, Curtis Martin. And he could be the best running back since Curtis, right? Yeah. Um, maybe he should wear 38. I could see him wearing that number. You think that's ugly? Is that, that's a 38 back number, Joe. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Who wears number 26 right now? Uh... Is it Eccles? I think uh, it's Eccles. Yeah. I want to like the fact that Sauce took one. I want him to wear twenty. Twenty is pretty good. I like oh, to see him take twenty twenty six from Eccles. I think that would be pretty. Oh, fun. bro, Migs, one is excellent aesthetic because he's really tall, and so one is like a great aesthetic for his body type. Agreed. Yeah, I know. I'm saying now that twenty is available and Sauce has one, that Brees Hall should take twenty. Oh, got you, got you. Yeah, I think he looks sweet in twenty. Yeah, we're in the same. Thirty-five. I don't know if that's just me, but I like thirty-five. I think that'll look good on him. 35 I I mean, Alvin Kamara made 41 look cool so at the end of the day it's all about how you play if he runs for over a thousand yards he can wear 99 for all I care like, and that would be freaking sick yeah would you like that <laughs> I'd be all about that I'd be all about that but, but yeah but yeah Meeks listen like yes that was obviously my favorite pick um but let me start off with saying this right a young quarterback's best friend is a tight end a smart center and a dominant run game. And that's really one of the main reasons why I'm so high on Brees Hall, right? You guys know that the last time the jets had a dominant run game with a young quarterback, they went to back to back AFC championships. And I know I've talked about this a lot, but I think it's noteworthy to mention again, especially with the hall selection and all this PFF George stuff. But when you have a hall of fame quarterback, there are multiple ways to build an NFL team. When your quarterback is average or young and developing like Zach is right. You need to build a team like the Jets did around Mark Sanchez when they went to back-to-back AFC championships, the way the Rams did around Jared Goff when they went to their Super Bowl, the way the Browns did around Baker when they went to the playoffs for the first time in 100 years, the way the 49ers did around Jimmy G when they almost won their Super Bowl, and the way the Eagles and Joe Douglas did around Carson Wentz and Nick Foles when they actually won a Super Bowl. And that's with a dominant offensive line, a dominant run game, and a dominant defense. And based on Joe Douglas's approach to the draft and free agency, this is exactly what they're trying to emulate. And I couldn't be happier with the pick, especially with an offensive line that's an injury away from being mediocre. Let's be real. But Brees is the kind of running back that can make something out of nothing when a play breaks down. So if this offensive line can't stay healthy and history indicates it probably won't, Brees is the kind of back that can help mitigate the lack of depth up front and keep the chains and the running game moving. And just like regardless, his potential in general is huge, especially in a scheme like the Jets run. His vision and zone, whether it's inside or outside, is outstanding. He knows how to identify cutback opportunities pre-snap. 
Something that I had an issue with Travis Etienne last year, and one of the main reasons why he wasn't really, or, or why I kind of did not like him in an outside zone scheme like other people did, but he's also able to manipulate post-snap and run defenders into blocks and create a lane. I mean, this guy can be great. So yes, I do love him. This was a fantastic pick. And I'm glad Joe Douglas isn't a proponent of the running backs don't matter movement because in this situation with a young quarterback, they can make all the difference in the world. So obviously I've been trying to sell kind of breeze to you guys when we did a mock and I was talking them up a little bit. I've been talking about running back for a couple of years now. And, you know, I've had one adversary to this whole entire uh, spiel that I've been, you know, putting out there. And, and that's my friend, James Koontz right here. But after the pick, James in the TOJ chat said, Brees Hall, that's a sexy pick. So James, what's going on? Why is this all of a sudden uh, a sexy kind of pick and why? And I don't want to insult you here. You know, you kind of put away your PFF James ways and got on the Brees Hall train. Ooh, ooh. Oh, that hurts. I am like the most anti-PFF person ever. Um, Even though I do believe in like analytics and trading down and not taking running backs high. I mean, I guess like the reason is um, I'm still against trading down. I'm still against taking running backs high generally, but it's kind of like, am I going to just be stubborn and like keep hoping that the jets are just going to draft the exact way I would, or am I just going to be happy to, you know, at the fact that they're taking good players. And, you know, if you're going to trade up, if you do it for good players, I could, I could rationalize that in my head. And Brees Hall is a really good running back. I also do see your argument, Joe, that you, know, you don't know what Zach Wilson can be. And so you need to do everything in your power to help lift him up. And Brees Hall helps do that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just fine with the pick. It's like, it's not my cup of tea personally, but like I can, I can easily rationalize it based on how good of a player he is. Yeah. I know I mentioned this on the uh, TOJ pod, but will, but if they're actually having success running the ball with like Brees Hall and Michael Carter, and they're running the ball down people's throats, like they're going to force defenses in single high coverage. It's going to create one-on-one matchups on the outside going to open up that play action pass that's just going to open up the passing game as a whole and that is going to have an immediate impact on Zach Wilson's development so I absolutely love it I don't know why there have been people out there criticizing it I feel like like I said this whole running backs don't matter movement has kind of poisoned the mind of the youth I'm glad that you've kind of like got out of that a little bit James because you see the benefit of what it could be for Zach Wilson and this team and the fact of the matter is like this team really wasn't going anywhere if they can't run the ball based on what we've seen from Zach Wilson last year. Now, if Zach Wilson takes some kind of meteoric leap, then yeah, I mean, they probably could have got away with it. You know, you look at like Joe Douglas, even when he went to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl with the Eagles, like they didn't have like a, a dominant running back on that team. It was more of a committee, but the, I think the biggest difference between Joe Douglas and those Eagles were the fact that, you know, they had the number one ranked offensive line in the league that year. So I think that played a big role, but again, it didn't stop him from grabbing Miles Sanders in 2019 because there isn't a team out there in the entire NFL. I know this, maybe some people believe this, that have a running back by committee by preference. It's because of circumstance. Like everybody wants a feature back. And I think that's what Joe Douglas went out and got for Zach Wilson and this team. Yeah, no, Joe, I completely agree. I, you know, I want to lob this question to Dylan and get his thoughts on this. After our week off, I was, you know, I was, I was, you know, I went on to the terrible, terrible app known as Game Pass and started watching a lot of 2017, 2018 Rams. And I, you know, I looked back when I saw a healthy Todd Gurley and how Jared Goff looked when he had a Brandon Cooks, a Cooper Cup, a Robert Woods, 
and got some ideas about what the Jets' 2022 offense could look like with Brees Hall and all these shiny toys. So what do you think about how, you know, Joe Douglas has stocked the cupboard for Zach Wilson, Dylan? Um, I want to say this is just a general thing. I, I love the hype guys and I know it's May and I, I'll lean into it as much as possible, but at the same time, we got to slow down because the more that we make it like Joe Douglas went out and gathered this a plus level of weaponry for Zach Wilson, the more everybody's going to be let down when Zach Wilson maybe doesn't reach this meteoric mark that everybody has set out for him that maybe we as a podcast haven't or will hasn't, but the fan base does have this expectation he's going to take a Josh Allen level leap or a Joe Burrow meteoric amazing year where he leads a team to a great run kind of leap. And we should be happy if, you know, we have a competent quarterback next year for out the season. With that said, though, he went a damn long way in trying to do the best thing possible for Zach Wilson. And that's exactly what they said when they drafted him was we want you to have this team support you, not the other way around. And they finally are doing that. I think Lake and Tomlinson being signed was huge. I think he really solidified the interior of offensive line, aside from Connor McGovern, who Joe Bellick will hate until the end of time, honestly. But I I do believe from a weaponry perspective, uh, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, I saw you put this out, Joe, earlier, might be the best wide receiver duo we've had since Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. And I think that maybe not immediately, but by the end of the season, that's going to be a sentiment shared throughout. Um, the tight end room is probably the best it's been in years and the running back room looks electric. So I don't necessarily see this year being this launching. I don't see it being the standard. I see it being the launching pad for further success. Like we all really view it, but I think that maybe not right away, but by year two, this ensemble that is around Zach Wilson has all the makings to be a really damn good one. Yeah, I think that's basically what we're all hoping for. I think, you know, the Jets did add some stuff to their defense, but I think offense was a huge part of this offseason. I think with the draft, with the guys they added in regards to like Wilson, in regards to, you know, you can get back to insurance when you add Max Mitchell. And, you know, Zach really doesn't have any excuses, in my opinion. And, you know, everyone's talking about the Eagles in regards to how well, you know, they set up for their next quarterback if Jalen Hurts doesn't make the leap. And it is much easier to move on from a second round pick than the second overall pick. But the Jets have a very nice nucleus that they're building. And to be honest, like Robert Tala and Joe Douglas got to win games. And if Zach Wilson can't do that, I don't think they should really be hesitant to upgrade that quarterback position. I hope Zach takes the leap. I think he's incredibly talented. I think he did show some improvement the second half of the year, and he said and done all the right things this offseason. But, like, you know, the Jets, like, this isn't a bad roster. I don't, I think they have the third most talented roster in their division. I think this roster has more talent than New England, and I don't think they should be getting punked by them anymore or Miami. And that's really where I want to guide this conversation to is in regards to what do we think, you know, what's this Jets season going to look like? And James, I'll start with you. Okay. Can I take us down a slightly different path? Sure. All right. Let's do like a little short answer exercise. Okay. So I'll just go around for each of the first five Jets picks. What do you think? Like, where do you think these players will stabilize in their careers? Like, so let's start with sauce. So like when sauce is like, look, you know, we look back at this pick like 15 years from now, what are we going to remember him as? I would say before I toss it to Joe, like above average corner. What do you think, Joe? Well, I mean, if you're taking a corner with the fourth pick, he better be one of the top shutdown corners. What do you think? What, not what you hope. What do you think? Oh, what do I think? I think that he can be. 
you know, the one thing I mentioned uh, on the TOJ pod with Will was that he's not really just good at taking guys vertical down the field and kind of getting hip to hip and has really good instincts for turning around for the ball. He's also good when guys are trying to cross his face, like on a slant. He always knows how to stay in face. He's got the length. So he kind of like has a lot of those benchmarks you're looking for when it comes to success at that position. So I, I think that he's going to be a top 10 corner in the league. I really believe that. Needs. Uh, I think he was, a, I thought he was a James Bradbury level player. And that's kind of where I think he's going to be. I think to justify fourth overall, he's got to get to the Marshawn Lattimore's, the Trey Whites of the world. And I hope he can do it. But as my evaluation, I didn't see that ceiling for him. You're still, you're still feeling like, you know, the whole, the beat down from that, that body. And you got when we had the Kyrie Elam versus uh, Sauce. Dude, I mean, dude, honestly, dude, Kyrie Elam might be the better corner. We're going to see him twice a year. All right, we will see, Meeks, for sure. All right, let, I think you're wrong on. about that. But let's move. That's on, a load man. of shit. But Sauce, Sauce is. Uh, I think his ceiling is top fifteen outside cornerback. I'm agreeing with you, Joe. By the way, load of shit. Elam's not going to do shit as a pro. He's going to get toasted and roasted on a week to week basis. But uh, Sauce is top five or top fifteen outside cornerback ceiling. Is my thing. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Garrett Wilson, uh, Meeks. I'm gonna start with you. I think he will be the seventh best receiver in the NFL in three years. Okay. Dylan? Uh, a solid 1B for a NFL team. Joe? I think he's going to be a perennial 1,000-yard receiver and a top 10 guy for sure. Okay. Uh, my personal opinion is between wide receiver 15 and 25. Um, okay. Next pick, Jermaine Johnson. I'm going to start with Joe. Jermaine Johnson, what's it looking like? I'm going to say Jermaine Johnson will be a top 15 edge rusher. He's going to be a double digit sack guy. I don't know if it's going to be year after year, but we will see those years and he'll make a pro bowl and he'll be probably the best edge rusher that we've had since John Abraham. I'm going to say that right now. Dylan. A consistent above eight to nine sack guy with potential to reach one to two pro bowls. If we're looking like five to seven years down the road. Meeks. I think he'll be like a Josh sweat level player. Good pass rusher. Don't think he'll ever be a 15-sack guy, but I think he will get a second contract. Okay. I personally see him as, like, a low-end edge two walking into the league with, like, potential to be, like, a low-ish edge one. Um, Yeah. Okay. Uh, Brees Hall. Joe, I I have to start with you. I mean, come on. You guys already know. I've been, like, real optimistic with all these picks, right? I don't want to be a Jets homer, but I really believe in these players. These players that were selected by Joe Douglas are just guys that I was very high on throughout all the draft season. I think Brees Hall has the potential to be a top-five running back in this league. I truly believe that, and I think he will be. Meeks? I think he will be the best running back whose name isn't Jonathan Taylor in two years. Oh, wow. Wow. Love it. Love it, Meeks. Yes. Let's go. Dylan? I'm going to continue to, I guess, have the more realistic approach of the four of us or maybe of the three outside you, James. And I'm going to say a top 10 running back um, in the next three years. Yeah, I'm going to say between RB5 and RB10. Um, and OK, last pick, Jeremy Ruckert. Uh, let's start with Meigs. Um, I don't think he'll ever be like to ascend to the levels of a Kyle Pitts or a Travis Kelsey where he can be like the focal point of an offense. But I just think he's going to be a very solid tight end. And that kind of reminds me how Cameron Brait has been for the Bucks. Okay. Dylan. I kind of like that comp. I see him being a solid starter at tight end, um, working more successfully as a one, two punch. Joe. 
I think he'll be an average an above average tight end, somebody who has a pivotal role on this offense and makes Zach Wilson better. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you, Joe. I think average to above average, leaning more towards average, but really plus blocker. So he plays an important role in this offense. All right, I'll kick it back to you, Meigs. Sorry for the uh, interjection. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I think that puts a nice, nice little bow on the 2022 NFL draft. And I think we should really talk about in regards to Joe Douglas is now three drafts in um, the 2020 draft. I think a lot of people like to throw on Adam Gase cause it's bad. I think 2021 had a lot of promise and Zach Wilson can, is, you know, he's kind of the linchpin of that draft. And then we have this one, which I think we're all probably feel better about than we even did about last year's. So in regards to Joe Douglas is his process, the guys he looks at the guys he's taken, are you happy with the way he's going about making these picks? And Dylan, I'll start with you. This is where I'm going to be a lot more um, optimistic. Yes, I'm overjoyed. This is the best general manager performance, um, at least from a draft perspective and really a management perspective overall um, that I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, I think Tannenbaum was very good, but I think I got a little muddied with the years of Mike McKagan and John Idzik being just absolutely incompetent. So I think competence is key and Douglas has absolutely accomplished that. And then some, and I do believe that 2020 isn't just a wash yet. I would say um, Mackay Becton's got some people to prove this year, including all four of us. Um, and if he can do that, that's going to be huge for that class. I think Ashton Davis might've reached his ceiling as like a backup rotational safety, but maybe Denzel Mims really is this breakout year that everybody's talking about all over Twitter. I don't know if I'm on that yet, but, uh, I think 2020 still got potential to be some good depth pieces, which is better than McCagnan ever had. And then yeah, 2021 looks like the top four five, six picks all really look pretty well. And then I mean, this draft is the one we're most ecstatic about. And if we get two starters, three starters, four starters out of it, that's going to be a damn good comparison to his predecessors. So I think he's doing a fantastic job league wide even. Yeah. I, I guess my real questions with Joe Douglas is that I know he's not one of the five, 10 worst GMs in the league. I feel very confident about that. I just don't know if he's going to break into the top 10 GMs in the league. And I just don't know how big a deal like that is. And if that's someone, if you know, like in regards to his biggest pick has been his quarterback and Zach Wilson and the jury's still out. Um, I wouldn't say it was a great rookie year. I think people have more questions than answers at the moment and that pick might sink him, but I, he's been a refreshing process. He takes athletic guys. He doesn't take old guys. And Mike McCagan's best pick was Foley Fatakasi. And I think Joe Douglas has clearly clearly cleared that bar which is at least nice to see now james i know you're the biggest joe douglas defender out there so uh what do what do you have to say about our guy yeah no i am i've been i've been defending him since uh well since he got here but i mean look i think a few things number one the other the other week i tweeted about like if you were going to hire an nfl gm i don't know why you would hire from a tree other than the baltimore ravens and i think what i like about the ravens is that they're a real dyed-in-the-wool football, football's guy front office, while at the same time being relatively analytically forward-thinking and drafting athletic players and trading down in opportunistic times. Um, and I think with Joe Douglas, honestly, he's just shown that he's pretty like opportunistic. And I think what I like most about this offseason is I think he, he kind of accelerated the team-building process but did it in a way that – 
didn't go away from his core identity of prioritizing the trenches and building that way. And I think I, I really like that aspect of it. Um, I think you're right, Meigs, when you say the jury is still out and whether he could be a top 10 GM. But whether you're a top 10 GM is almost entirely based on whether you take a top 10 quarterback or you acquire one. So, look, I, I like Joe Douglas. I'm personally of the opinion that if this next season doesn't go well, which I expect it to go well, but if it doesn't, I'm personally of the opinion that you keep Douglas given what he's shown um, in his time here and turning this roster around, turning the body of this roster around. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of my take. Yeah, Joe, I'll go to you. Uh, Cause I, I think you've been pretty reserved about your thoughts about Joe Douglas in regards to just, you know, the overarching, the big pub picture. So what are your thoughts on this? Well, I've loved Joe Douglas since the moment he was hired. The first article I ever wrote for TOJ was about bringing in a general manager who comes from a culture of building in the trenches, specifically the offensive trenches. And that's exactly who Joe Douglas is coming from the Eagles. I love what he's done the last couple of years. The thing I like about it the most is that he took just a big giant crap on that study that James always talks about. And he got aggressive in these last two drafts and he went up and got the players that he wanted. You know, his first year, he was a little bit more conservative, traded down, tried to get the multiple picks and it really didn't work out for him. Now I'm not against trading down. I think there is obviously moments when you should do it. And there are obviously numerous examples of it working out, but the fact that he went out there and he went and got the players that he thought he could immediately plug in and help Zach Wilson, help that defense and help this team win. I love that he did that. And especially because I get to come on here and tell James that Joe Douglas took a crap on his study. Okay, but you know who's the better GM who actually believes in it? Who's that? Eric DaCosta. So. Are we sure Eric DaCosta is that good a GM? You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Eric DaCosta always has, also has Lamar Jackson, by the way. And who took, and do you know who took Lamar Jackson? Did you not like the Ravens draft this year? They took a safety and a center in round one. You know, I wasn't a fan of the position. They had a fantastic draft, Meeks. They, so, they had they had the best draft uh, other than the Jets, for sure. They had the best draft, period. We'll say. I love we'll our say. draft. I'm ecstatic about our draft, but the Ravens we'll killed this yeah. draft. And they traded Hollywood Brown for a first Who round. Sucks? Sorry, he sucks. He has brick hands. I mean, Rashad Bateman's a 
pulled hamstring away from wide receiver one, Tylen Wallace. So, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't throw your parade just yet, but you know, I digress, but I know we want to touch briefly on the 2023 draft class. I hope to not be sitting here in the fall trying to sell myself on Tyler Van Dyke and the rest of this quarterback class. Cause Zach Wilson is just balling out and that is my hope. But James, you're the guy who's always looking ahead. You're the guy who's always telling me about how next year is always going to be better than this year. You made your, you, you know, you stuck your flag on Andrew Booth, I believe, around this time last year. So who is who, who's your guy going into 2023? Ooh, it's tough to say. Um, it's an exciting year because Northwestern has a good prospect, finally. You know, it's been two years since Rashawn Slater. Um, and Drake, what, what, Brandon Joseph wasn't a good prospect? Oh, he bro, he's still in college. He's still in college. Um, yeah, Peter Skaronsky, offensive tackle. He's probably going to be a first half of the first round pick. Um, but players I've liked who I've seen while watching players for this past draft class. Um, I really like this guy from Kansas State who's an edge rusher, Victor um, Anudike. Uh, or, well, I forget his name, honestly. But he's really good. He goes to Kansas State. Really bendy. I would say he's, he's probably has better film than Kayvon Thibodeau. And he plays from a four-eye technique, which is pretty impressive. Um, I know I brought up uh, the guy from Arkansas who's a slot corner. He's probably not going to be a first-round pick, but he did transfer the DBU, LSU, and that dude's really freaking good. I mean, honestly, what I'm most excited for is really deep corner and really deep wide receiver class, um, and that that's pretty exciting to me. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm assuming you were talking about Eli Ricks at corner? No, 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 no. Oh, well, he's definitely a, t- a headliner of that class, but the guy I was talking about transferred from uh, from Arkansas to LSU. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you said Alabama. I, I've been I've been look, watching. Eli Ricks is a very talented player. I was hoping to watch more of him. Uh, I mean, Keyshawn Boutte is wide receiver one for me. I think he's electric. If Corey Davis, uh, you know, flames out, not, not against uh, that wide receiver room, but I do think uh, the days of taking a wide receiver in the first round, I think, you know, after the capital they've used are probably a little foolhardy at the moment. But uh, I mean, I, I hope to not be bad enough to take Will Anderson because he really has a chance to be the best pass rusher I think I've ever seen. And that's I, – I don't joke about Miles Garrett, and Joe knows this, so that's big praise. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to go into edge, you know, when I was thinking about, you know, who I should potentially showcase today, I was looking at the Jets roster and looking at scheme fits, and we don't know how JFM is going to work out as, as that strong side edge on a permanent basis. Obviously, he's going to be there mostly this year on base downs, and but I think that his future probably is going to play out most likely as a three technique maybe um, they're even going to cut him. I mean, they're going to save probably 12 to $15 million if he doesn't play out, or maybe he's going to take over Quinnen Williams' role because they don't mm-hmm. choose to re-sign Quinnen. I don't know. There are a lot of question marks there when it comes to those two positions. So I was looking at somebody who would probably be a good fit as a strong side edge and a solid type defense. And I think this kid, Miles Murphy from Clemson, is a really nice fit. Now, he doesn't have the most pass rush moves, and he's pretty much all power right now, specifically like more of a bull rusher. But I think this guy has a a lot of upside from what I've seen so far. And I'm going to be watching him pretty closely. A couple of other edge guys that I like, I don't know if the Jets are going to target him, but I like Zion Tupeloa Fatui from, from Washington. I feel like, I don't even know if I pronounced that name properly. I think uh, Andre Carter from Army is one of these small school guys that has a tremendous motor. And I like what I've seen from him thus far as well. I think looking at the roster again, I'm looking at center, right? Is is McGovern going to be here next year? He's in the final year of his contract. Are the Jets going to retain him or are they going to 
look uh, for an answer in free agency or potentially again in the draft. A couple of guys I like who could maybe be in that second or third round range, John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, Jared Patterson from Notre Dame, and there's this kid, um, Cedric Van Pran from Georgia. I don't know if you how familiar you guys are with this guy, but I was watching that SEC championship and he absolutely destroyed Christian Harris on a blitz. And I was like, man, I was like, who is this kid? I think he could be one of those guys who are on the rise come, uh, come draft day 2023. So I guess those are a couple of players. I know that I'm going to be looking at the safeties closely as well. I know Brandon Joseph transferred to Notre Dame. Yeah, he's buns. Don't worry. Do we I know. Listen, if you know, you know, I'm not a big fan of Brandon Joseph. I'm just he's trying to, good. yeah, I'm just trying to like look at potential safeties, maybe Jalen uh, Catalone from Arkansas, Jordan Battle, I think, has a lot of work to do. I'm going to be looking a little, uh, watching some film on this kid, Rashad Torrance from Florida as well. I think those are some interesting prospects. And Akeem Dent from Florida State, who can be an interesting riser as the draft process moves on next year. Um, but yeah, those, you know, those are the players. And obviously linebacker, right? Sewell, he's kind of like very much oh, uh, the, the CJ Mosley. I, I wonder, like, if I don't know if the Jets would look to address linebacker early, but this roster is looking pretty good, man. I mean, we're just like a safety and a linebacker away from having a top 10 defense. And with Corey Davis potentially being gone next year, maybe they had another wide receiver. But I think safety, linebacker, maybe another wide receiver, center. You know, we have to see what happens with Mekhi Becton and George Fant. So tackle could be another mm-hmm. option. I like the player that James mm-hmm. brought up from Northwestern. Like, he's a very interesting player. But I believe... James, he might be the first offensive lineman taken off the board next year, if I'm going to be completely honest with what I've seen from him and how much I like him as a prospect. So 2023 is going to be cool, man. You know, we're not going to have as many picks, but it's yeah, going to be this another is, fun this, season. 2023 is going to be a nice referendum. Um, can Joe Douglas have a good draft without having multiple first-round picks? Because we have not seen that yet. But, um, guys, this is going to be a heel turn. Dylan, I'll get to you because I do want to hear about this. Um, if Quinn, uh, Everyone knows the Mike McCagman PTSD I have when it comes to defensive tackles and just non-premium positions. But if Quinn Williams doesn't have the year we've been waiting for him to have for three years, about to uh, say. the Brian Brees uh, agenda is going to start today, and he, I'm going to be driving that train for him to the Jets. Not Jalen Carter? Uh, I mean, Jalen Carter is going in the top three. I'm trying not to pick there. Ah, I get, okay. I got you. Wait, hold on. If Would you guys be okay with taking Jalen Carter in, if we had a top 10 pick next year? No. If, we had, if he was on the board, hell yeah. He was the best player on that Georgia defense. Stop right. with the top 10 defensive linemen. They have not panned out. Leonard Williams, Quinnen Williams, stop New York Jets. I kind of agree with you, Dylan. But at the same time, we got to see what this roster looks like next year. They might be in a position where they can make a, a pick like that. I personally would be against it, unless you're going to be some kind of pass rushing demon and run stuffer both I mean, at the defensive tackle position. Tape, but you probably uh, yeah, Brian Brees is my guy. He's one of my favorite players in the draft. But if you're not going to be like – Sacking the quarterback, you probably shouldn't be taking a defensive tackle that high in the draft. Which you think might you think Carter could be that kind of player, Meeks? Yeah. Eh, that's it. Oh eh. uh, yeah, I think I think I think I think Carter has a chance to be one of the best defensive tackle prospects in a very long time. How would you yeah. compare him to Quinton Williams? He's out? much better, like exponentially. Oh, like what's oh much my better? god, so much. I mean, uh, Quinton Williams didn't do anything until his third season at, at Alabama, bro, because he converted from edge rusher. Okay. Yeah, that's why he didn't do anything because he was busy gaining. Okay, weight, be so. good, be good enough, be good enough to get on the field. Jerron Carter was, but uh, all right, Dylan, who are your guys in this draft? All right, so I'm gonna stick in the Big Ten for my linemen. Um, I do like Saronsky. I'm probably butchering. Is that how you say it, James? Saronsky. All right, we got it. I know our Northwest or Northwestern versus Penn State game this year. That's gonna be electric to cover on the pod when uh, we beat them by thirty. 
uh, with Sean Clifford at quarterback. Um, but nonetheless, that'll be a fun little rivalry game on the pod. Uh, Ryan Hayes from Michigan. Uh, he got babied in the semifinal game. No better way to put it, but who didn't get babied by the Georgia defensive line? Um, I think he's going to kick inside. Going to be a good interior prospect potentially on the offensive line. Uh, Jared Patterson, you mentioned him, Joe, was somebody I liked uh, coming out potentially this year. Going to come back, have a year to refine, get smarter. Maybe he ends up being the top center in next year's class. Uh, Paris Johnson from Ohio State insane potential left tackle prospect next year um he's gonna work well at tackle um going to defensive side of the ball will anderson's the best edge rusher i think film wise that a lot of us have seen so far and if he can do that again next year i mean there's no telling what his ceiling could be and then i gotta give my penn state and any lines a little love i'm gonna go with a guy who i think ends up having a higher ceiling than Jahan dotson and that's parker washington uh anybody who watched a penn state game last year knows that this guy actually got more volume than Jahan dotson uh had more crazy catches than Jahan dotson and really showed a more refined route tree than Jahan Dotson. And I was a big Jahan Dotson homer on this podcast. So we remember Dylan, don't worry. So I I do believe Parker Washington is going to be a very, are we going to be having the Smith and Jigba versus Parker Washington debate? Uh, No, I think I was just getting to Smith and Jigba and the fact that I think he's probably one of the best receivers um, I've seen in the past couple of years. And I think he's going to put on a stellar year this year and, very much separate himself. And then Brian Brees is a guy that I have loved since he was in high school. I, I really like that guy and me because I think next we're looking to a fall of you and I being homers for him and oh, finally 100%. being united about a prospect. So yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward. Jets, Jets, Jets are picking 14th. We're taking Brian Brees. It's yeah. going to be magic. I'm looking forward to standing on our soapbox together for a guy that I've liked since he was in high school. So I'm really excited for him too. Brian, Brian Brees has a potential to be a top 10 pick in this draft. So we might be coming off a torn ACL. I, was, I, 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 I don't think it's unfreezable. I think he might fall. Bro, I, he can take a big step this year. He can absolutely be in the top 10. Yeah. Wait, bro, can I throw out some more names? Sorry. Sure. So I have I have three takes. So number one, it's going to be a really cool year for the safety slot corner hybrid position that is being popularized in the NFL as the star. And the reason is because Alabama, I think, has like three prospects that fit the bill. Jordan Battle, who came back for a senior season. Brian Branch, who is a safety there. And then Malachi Moore. And they're all draft eligible next year. And they're all these like hybrid Jordan battles, maybe a little bit more traditional safety, but the rest are like these hybrid corner safety types. So really interesting to watch that. Number two, there's a wide receiver that you guys need to know about. Who's going to be coming for wide receiver one top 10 pick. And it's not Kayshawn Butte, even though he's great. It's not Jackson Smith and Jigba. Jordan Addison. It, it, oh, him too. Quinton Johnson from TCU. Like the prototypical throwback X receiver. Dude, are you just grinding TCU and Kansas State film in your spare time? Oh, you know it. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, this guy, this guy's like really, really good. And then, oh my God. I just, oh, okay, Josh, the last thing I Josh, watched, Josh Downs, James, bring me some Josh Downs here. He, he's fire too. That's a wide receiver from UNC that Joe's talking about. The last thing I did want to say is there's this guy who's probably projected right now as a top 10 pick in next year's draft. Keely Ringo from Georgia. Um, he plays corner. I just remember, do you guys ever watch like the one-on-ones, like high school, the opening videos where it's like wide receiver versus DBs? Yeah. Wow. I just remember when this dude was the number one corner prospect in the country and he just getting cooked by like three stars on like every single one-on-one rep. 
And it, his ankles are getting like tape. He's this like big 6'2, like 210, like really built guy. And you have like a bunch of like string beans, like 5'10, 165, who are like taking his ankles every rep. So that is my early spit take on the preseason top 10 pick who is going to get exposed during the during his junior season. Okay, James. James is on his soapbox that this corner is terrible. Um, I'm assuming Jameson Williams cooked him in the SEC title game like he did every other Georgia corner if he was on the field. Probably. Yeah, makes sense. All right, guys, this is going to be the last thing we talk about tonight. It's going to end on a nice philosophical question. We know Joe Douglas comes from the Howie Roseman tree. Howie Roseman is famous for acting like linebackers are a social construct and not an actual football position that matters. And we are now three drafts in with Joe Douglas. He's made 26 picks. He has not spent a single one of them on a linebacker. I don't think Sherwood or Hamster should count because those were safeties they were trying to convert to linebacker. To me, I don't think those are actual linebackers. He hasn't made a meaningful addition in free agency at linebacker. We're talking about adding Quan Alexander around basically after the draft. So do you guys think that Joe Douglas believes that he won't spend premium assets on the linebacker position? And this is always going to be a position that we're going to talk about them needing to address going forward during the Joe Douglas tenure. Joe, I'll start with you. I mean, Salah got really good value from linebackers from round three on Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw. I think he was there when they drafted, was it Ruben Foster in the first round, but that didn't work out very well. So. Oh yeah, he was there. That was Lynch and Shanahan's first year. So I feel like he's an ex linebacker coach. Like he's going to get the most value out of the guys they draft. And I think it's going to be probably like day two, day three selections, unless the roster is looking so good that they can kind of make more of a luxury pick. Cause I think like linebackers say, even in the first round, it's kind of a luxury pick. Like when everything else is working out for you, that's why I mentioned Noah mm-hmm. before. Yeah. So he's an interesting guy. So the guy Trenton Simpson from Clemson is a pretty good prospect. He was super athletic player. Wonder how much they would be interested in him as kind of being like more of a running mate and say like uh, that CJ Moldsley type. But yeah, I think, you know, by and large linebacker is a position they're going to look for on day two and beyond for sure. Yeah. I, I do agree with you, Joe. I think a first round linebacker is never coming during this tenure. I just, you know, we talk about like those guys, you know, trying to find round three, round four is the sweet spot. And we just haven't even seen them pull the trigger on that with Salah within two drafts that he even gets the guys to develop his linebacker. So that's really where my head's at is just, is this going to be a position that, you know, it's going to be kind of put together, you know, with like duct tape and, you know, and scotch tape over the next couple of years. Well, I think they definitely want to find their kind of Fred Warner type of player. I mean, they kind of have that. He's not exactly CJ Mosley isn't exactly that player anymore. So it'll be interesting to see how they address it with him getting older and that cap hit in 2023. But I think it's hard to address every single position in one offseason. I think that's kind of where we're at at linebacker. I don't necessarily think they don't care about it. I think that when they have less holes to fill, we'll see exactly how they do value the particular position. I think it's going to definitely be a talking point throughout all of draft season next year if guys like Quincy Williams don't get better and CJ Mosley starts to show his age. Um, And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be a Band-Aid approach. Um, I think they definitely care about linebackers. Do they care enough about it? to take one in the first round, I, I guess we'll see. I think that, uh, you know, him taking Ruben Foster, like I mentioned that one time, it says that it's certainly a possibility, but with the success he's had with finding, you know, and developing linebackers late, I think that's most likely, like I said before, going to be the approach. James, what do you think? I know you're not a big fan of uh, non-premium positions, which I think off-ball linebacker has been trending towards. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, if, if things pan out really well, I could see them, 
saying, oh, maybe it's a luxury pick, but if we can get a really good prospect, then we'll do it. Um, I mean, I know Noah Sewell is a guy who's hyped up a lot. I'm not sure if his running mate, uh, whose name is Justin Flo, is actually draft eligible for next draft. But when I was he's watching- a five star. I don't know if this is a sophomore or junior season, though. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But when I was watching that uh, Michael Wright, Verone McKinley, Kayvon Thibodeau tape, like this dude is is really really good. Like, yeah, it was James, a bummer. He got James, hurt. hold on, hold on, a second. James. It's not exactly a ringing endorsement. I mean, you're talking about like the tape you watched when you thought Verone McKinley should be a first round pick and Mikhail Wright was like a top fifty player. Is that the film you're talking about? Yeah, facts, bro. But that was also like uh, November, bro. James based all his takes on the Ohio State tape, essentially, Joe. Yeah, bro. I think Noah Sewell is definitely going to be a hot name on Jets Twitter next year. I will say that. You know, especially if he's somebody who falls to the second round. When I was, dude, his instincts in zone are ridiculous. His eyes are so good. Um, I, I would love to see how he tests athletically. I think he might be leaving a little bit there you know, to be a little, a little bit more to be desired in that department, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I like Noah Sewell. I just don't know if the Jets would ever spend the premium capital on a player like that. And, you know, in regards to Fred Warner, um, you're not going to find someone who has a higher opinion of Fred Warner than me outside of Aaron Donald and miles Garrett. He, and he would probably be one of the, if I'm building my defense, and you give me a pick of any defensive players in the league. He's probably coming off the board four or five for me. I think he's just that special player. And I think that's a, big ass to try to find someone of that level but dylan i uh, will end with you in regards to where do you think the jets are going to be putting their assets in regards to linebackers i i'm really curious because i i'm surprised they didn't dress it this offseason truthfully i think that really is the one spot we can all agree that that was the big deficiency this offseason whether or not james likes that or not as he's premium positions whatever but i i'm a big linebacker guy and i think cj mosley is not getting any younger and i think that if they would have addressed it in some facet i would have loved it but they didn't put any anything towards it so i think next offseason is going to be a very big finding the future captain of this defense because I think you're going to need a year maybe for Mosley to tutor somebody. So I'm going to be grinding the middle linebacker film actually all off season, because I think that's really going to be one of the pinpoint areas for this team. And f- for solid to find his we, future. If they just took Chad Muma, we wouldn't have any of these issues. That's you know, true. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to hype up a player too much, but I think they like Jamie and Sherwood more than we are talking yeah. about. You know, when we, Didn't when he have I a serious him, injury though? What's that? Didn't he have a serious injury? I don't know how serious his injury is, injury was, but two years ago when, when I was watching him on film, he was literally like a general on the field, barking orders at people, putting people in position. He's a very intelligent player. So if he could kind of put it all together, I could see him being the guy that Sal, that Sala would love to have in that kind of middle linebacker spot. You know, so so we'll see what happens. You know, I, I, I but I do trust that they are going to yeah. find the right player. Joe, um, I just want you to know. Yeah. Tell me. I think I, Jamie I think Sherwood tore his Achilles. Did he tear his Achilles? Well, yeah, I was something serious. and Cam Akers, and so they're all seeing. Yeah, I'm just saying back. it's just so it's some of the monitor. Some of the I think the biggest also. I think the biggest need is finding a replacement for Lamarcus Joyner. I'm hoping that he stays healthy this year. You know, mm-hmm. finding that free safety, wait. finding that single high safety guy is very important. Why can't we move Hamza back to safety? He was good there. Like, why are we doing this whole like try to convert him? Hey. To he was like good at safety, bro. I think he is more as like an, you're preaching yeah. the choir, James. James, I think he's good, like as an in the box guy, kind of in split safety looks. I, I'm, I'm, and they kind of have. That's why they got Jordan Whitehead. They have players and Hamsa who can satisfy that role. I think you will see him play that role this year. I just, I don't see him as kind of like a guy who I want on an island or like 
in a single high roll. He's just not that kind of player. No, I don't think they have a single player they want us in a in a high in a single high roll. And I think that's why they put so much investment in corner, just so you don't really have to live in that world. Yeah, I think having Gardner and Reed on both sides is definitely going to help those situations out for sure. You know. Anyway, this is our final episode till next draft season. I want to say that I had a blast with you guys doing this stuff. It was one of the best draft classes that I've seen in a very long time. Obviously, we're not going to know exactly what it's like for a couple of years down the road, but on, on paper right now, it's probably the best draft class I've seen since the year 2000. And uh, I have a lot of love for you guys. And I think we, we had a pretty successful season, grinding the tape and just having a good time. And I and, uh, can't wait to do it again with you guys next year, for real. I had a blast. Dylan had some big shoes to fill, and I thought he did a very, very good job. Uh, James takes were fire as always, and you really never know what's going to come out of his mouth. And I think that's one of the most enjoyable parts of doing the show. But as I said, no pun intended, this draft season has come to an end. We will be breaking for the summer. Hopefully you guys, you know, we might, we might throw in a sporadic episode here or there, but hopefully we'll, this won't be back full time because the jets are playing meaningful games in December, as they like to say, and we're not focused on the draft. We're actually focused on the Jets, which is the plague that unites us all. So please, guys, if you loved this podcast, if you please rate and review, we try really hard on this. We want to give you guys really good draft coverage. We'd love to hear your feedback. If you love the show, tell us, and we will bring it to you next year. Goodbye.